to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Today on the Unicorns, we're featuring JRide. It's a publicly listed global travel marketplace for airport transfer. It's on the ASX with the code JAY. Our guest is the co-founder and managing director of JRide, Rod Bishop. After co-founding the online booking system in 2012, Rod has built JRide from concept to major player in the global airport shuttle market. Since its listing on the ASX in 2018, the Australian company has expanded substantially through a global rollout that now covers 95% of world airport trips. The company survived the turbulence of COVID-19 and with international travel back in full swing, JRide is reaping the rewards of its continuous investment in technology as it now serves 25% more travellers than its pre-pandemic all-time highs. Rod, welcome to the program. Justin, pleasure to be here, mate. Great summary. Thanks. So let's go back to the beginning, Rod, if I may. Where did you first get the idea for JRide? Well, that goes back a bit, eh? Uh, that's, we're a decade young as a company, and so it's, it's been a long time uh, since our origin story. Uh, my background is in sales and marketing, uh, with always a sprinkling of logistics and last mile thrown in. So, for example, back home in Auckland, I was working on a ride-sharing project, you know, back before Uber and back before it was cool. Uh, and one of the things that I was also doing was I was doing a lot of travel. I was a keen traveler. Um, and if you remember kind of back in the day, TripAdvisor, great platform, used it all the time, found some shortcomings with it though. You know, looking at that, if you, if you look at TripAdvisor, as I did, I say, all of that content that they've got, it all boils down to just two questions asked over and over. And the first is, what's good to do here? And the second is, how do I get to that? Yep. And TripAdvisor is very good at the first one and very bad at the second one. And so as a traveler, I had this problem, right? <laughs> yes, that, that is true. Yeah. Like, how do I, how do I get to that? Um, I, I realized that the travel industry was missing a last mile logistics player, someone who can actually help you, actually help you when you're on the ground to get around. Uh, and so that was the genesis of JRite. We took a look at travel aggregation. We saw great aggregation plays being done in airfare, hotel, rental car. We took a look Mm -hmm. and we said, no one's cracking rides, but everyone needs a ride. Every single year, there are billions of people who are left standing in the taxi rank who really wish they weren't there. And every Mm -hmm. single year, each one of those people had a relationship with an airline or with a hotel or with a tour company that also really would have loved to sell them the transfer and really missed out on the sale. And so there's this, there's these two sides of the market and they're just dying to connect. And because of that market failure, everyone goes and stands in the taxi rank. And we said, you know what, that's just not good enough. Hmm. You know, that, um, that, that industry is crying out for a company that aggregates rides and distributes them and makes it just so easy for a traveler, wherever they are on earth, to get around. So, so let's get into the detail of, of how it actually works. What essentially is JRide? JRide's an online travel marketplace. Uh, we're a, a growth technology company at an early stage in a, in a really long-term growth trajectory. And we help travelers to find and book their rides around the world. Uh, and by rides, I mean anything that can take them from A to B. So that could be an airport shuttle or a private car or a, or a ride-hailing company or a coach line. And it's brands you know, like Lyft, and, and brands you don't, like the you know, best shuttle bus provider 
to Ubud from Denpasar Airport. Right, so we've got the local knowledge, we've got all the carriers, and, and as you said, uh, we're the largest aggregator of our kind on the internet. We have the most reviews of transport companies, no one comes close. There's 3,700 fleets, they cover 1,600 airports, that's more destinations than even the world's largest car companies like Uber and the rest. That covers 95% of the trips that travellers take, so that's you know, 95% of world airfare lands at an airport that we serve. So you can always, always find a working solution with JRide. And we aggregate all of that and we put it online for sale at jride.com, uh, also at airportshuttles.com, which is another website we've just purchased. Uh, and also we package it up and distribute it to the travel industry. So again, all the players you know, like Flight Center, Corporate Travel Management, you've got online travel, agencies like booking.com and others, search engines like Rome to Rio, technology platforms like Car Trawler. It kind of doesn't matter who. If you're a travel brand and you're looking to make your itineraries door-to-door, but without any of the heavy lifting of doing the work yourself, you can plug and play J-Rides technology mm. to sell rides to your travelers and make a really fantastic experience so that your travelers don't end up standing in the taxi rack. So who is a perfect customer for J-Ride? So we're looking at all kinds of different travelers. Uh, in general, we're looking primarily to leisure travelers. Leisure travel has been a, a fast mover to recover post the pandemic, which is I mean, pandemic's a whole other story. Uh, and those travelers are going to all sorts of interesting and far-flung destinations. And, and you know, your average ride-sharing company, it doesn't cater to half of them. Uh, so we're talking Australians to Bali. We're talking, you know, Brits to, you know, coasts and lovely tourist destinations in Europe or islands, whether it's Santorini or Malta or the Canary Islands. We're talking, you know, US citizens, US nationals to Caribbean, whether it's, you know, Cancun or or Dominican Republic, you know, these sorts of places where they really just, you know, they really just don't know how to get around. Mm. It's a traveler going to a place that they've never been before. Maybe they're a little bit nervous about it. They desperately need for it to go right. It's supposed to be travel. It's an enjoyable experience. But you know what? They don't speak the language. They don't carry the currency. They don't know which local operator is best. You know, so they're looking for comparison. They're looking for search. They don't want to get rorted. They want to get a good price. They want to get a good service. Uh, and these sorts of things are the things that a marketplace can solve. You know, we can help that traveler to, you know, see all the carriers, find out what's a fair price, read all the reviews, find out who's reputable. Uh, you know, we'll book that traveler, traveler uh, on that carrier. And if anything goes wrong, they get 100% refund guarantee and we make sure they get their money back. So it's these sorts of kind of travel promises that, you know, that the traveler has been missing in that last mile in that getting mm. around type category, which has been you know a mainstay of all other things like flights and hotels for years, we're bringing that premise to traveler rides. So if I'm an Aussie traveler based in Sydney and I book my overseas travel to Thailand through a, a local travel agent in Sydney and I know that there's an airport pickup from Bangkok airport waiting for me to the middle of the city, is, is J-Ride sitting behind that somewhere? Is that how it works? Yeah, that's right. And so, for example, with our, uh, our relationship with Flight Center, you know, if they're selling you an airport transfer, it may well be J-Ride doing that fulfillment. Mm. Uh, or equally, if you're, if you're doing a Google search yourself and you're typing in something like, you know, uh, Bangkok Airport to Hilton, Bangkok, you know, J-Ride's going to try and find you there on that first search. Uh, you know, we're going to talk to you in English. We're going to quote you in AUD. Uh, we're going to show you which is the most reputable Thai supplier. You won't have ever heard of them. We mm. will. We'll have vetted them for you. Uh, and when you book that supplier, you can be sure it's going to go right. And if it doesn't, that we've got your back. 
Yeah, amazing. And so how many countries are you currently operating in? Well, this was kind of part of the story of, of taking JRide to be a publicly listed company. Uh, you know, I, I think, Justin, when we first met, JRide was private and we were operating in five countries and mm. uh, we were out there making deals with companies like Booking.com and they were very straightforward with us. You know, they said, JRide, this is really fascinating. It's in five countries, but our hotels are global. And yeah. unless you can provide a turnkey solution that allows us to attach rides to every hotel globally, we are not interested. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a, a pretty hard no, but it's also a really <laughs> exciting opportunity, isn't it? Yes. Because here's Booking.com so. telling you, yep. yeah, here's Booking.com telling you, you know what, we actually can't do this and we don't do this and we can't even think about solving it without you. I mean, that's that's a fantastic thing to hear. And so that was the genesis of JRide raising its pre-IPO and listing uh, a good three, four years ago now was taking JRide from five countries to over 100. Uh, and that's the 100 plus countries we now serve, the 1600 airports we serve that cater to 95% of world airport trips. It's a big market. Mm -hmm. You know, ex-COVID now, there's close to 4 billion airline seats sold uh, in the coming 12 months. 4 billion people needing to get to and from an airport. So 8 billion rides to and from airports. And in terms of online penetration, even given ride hailing apps, kind of next to zero. And you think about how the travel industry evolves. It, it often goes from offline to online in that way. Mm. You know, it used to be in, in the distant past, you used to go to a bricks and mortar shop to book your hotel and your flight. You'd turn up at the counter and you'd book your rental car. Now all of that stuff's online. I just think it's a matter of time and a matter of technology like J-Rides to bring all of those 8 billion trips every year to bring them all online. Uh, we call it cannibalize the taxi rank. It's a huge, huge market, a huge opportunity. So just in terms of that, you mentioned ride hailing apps. How do you answer the question when someone says, oh, are you just like Uber or do you compete with Uber? Um, how do you exist, coexist, play in the same pool with, with, the ride, uh, with the ride sharing apps? Good question. JRide is not Uber, but we do sell Uber and Uber is a top seller. Uh, as is Lyft and, and various other ride-sharing companies. They, travelers want the price point. They want the service quality, um, you know, even as it is, as it is. Uh, and so it is a top seller on the platform. Um, but the thing that we do that, that a, a single ride-hailing app can never do uh, is that we offer global destinations and we offer price comparison. So, mm. you know, think about the price discovery in ride-hailing. And, and this is a true story, actually. I'll, I'll tell you a true story. I was standing in the Virgin uh, check-in counter going to LA, and uh, this is in Sydney, and the lady in front of me, she's in the Apple uh, app store on, on her iPhone, and she's, I see her, what she's doing. She's typed in LA rideshare, and she's downloading all the ride-hailing apps. And this is very interesting for me, and I ask her, <laughs> um, yes. know, what is it you're doing? And here's what she says. She says, uh, well, you know, I'm going to LA, and I don't know who's the best rideshare in LA. So I'm going to download all the ride-sharing apps in LA, and then I'm going to search a quote from the airport to my hotel and all of them, after presumably having signed up with all of them. Uh, and then I'm going to find out who's cheapest, and that's the one I'm going to use when I'm around town. And that's the absolute best price discovery that ride-hailing can offer. Mm. And you, you just think about that compared to, you know, I type in LA on booking.com and I get the best price room for every hotel in the whole city. You know, that's how easy it could be versus how easy it is today. Uh, and that's the thing that we really bring. You know, when you're going to LA, should you be traveling with Lyft or Uber or a black car company or a shuttle bus? And we can tell you. And it's that price discovery and comparison and choice that the traveler really wants. They don't really want to have to download the local ride hailing app 
for every city they go to. I mean, if I'm going to Shanghai, I probably can't even download DD. Exactly. It's true. Yes. I don't speak Mandarin. I don't have WeChat Pay. Like some of these things, they're just not accessible unless you're a local. And so we try to make it easy for the traveler to get that same kind of local knowledge, that same local experience. So in Australia, is um, is it being used by the traveller from home to the airport? Is that where you're competing with the cabs of the world and, and Uber? Or are people jumping onto J-Ride going, okay, I need to get to the airport from my home. What are the options? Uh, it's definitely both. It's every type of destination, whether it's business or leisure, whether it's home or away. Uh, whether it's a, a place you're familiar with, but maybe you need something special like a child seat or a bike box or extra luggage, or maybe it's a place that you're unfamiliar with where you just want somebody who speaks your language and talks in your currency, kind of any any one of these things. And so how is the company, if you if you think about the, the listing 2018, how did you manage to survive COVID-19? Because I can imagine with global travel, essentially stopping for the better part of a couple of years. How did you stay in business? Wasn't on the business plan, Justin. <laughs> yeah, um, that's I can, right. I can, I can tell you a global pandemic did not appear in our, in our uh, business plan. Uh, so let's tell, let's tell a story. I mentioned the fact that we listed around that global rollout. Uh, it was kind of 2018, we started building that technology. 2019, we started contracting global transport companies. Uh, by late 2019, we expanded our business from five countries all the way up to north of 100. We had great content across all kinds of Asian destinations, across all kinds of European destinations. Uh, we started signing the travel brands to go to market, got some great travel brand partners signed late 2019, started to get those launched January, February 2020. I think we all remember what happened in March 2020. I do. Uh, suddenly, the entire global travel industry shut down. Uh, and so we you know, had to take some tough calls. Uh, we unfortunately had to say goodbye and we got through on, on this cost savings activity uh, to roughly 75% of our FTE. Mm. Um, and we got through on cost savings as opposed to having to do a, any kind of diluted of uh, capital raise at the bottom. Uh, but we did the cost savings in a nice way, right? Like I think people kind of understood the situation and we really tried to you know, be proactive in terms of communication. Also in terms of structure, we thought, you know, we are building a company here that is going to be a travel technology leader. We need to continue even throughout the pandemic to build that technology in order that we can maximally catch the rebound and the recovery when it comes. Uh, and then the final thing that we did, which I think a lot of travel brands didn't do right and, and, and got some very bad publicity for, uh, is we made sure to keep all of our travelers and transport companies whole. So every traveler got a full refund in cash, no vouchers. Every transport company got full payment for all services rendered. We didn't stiff anyone. You know, we, we paid all of that out. Uh, and, you know, that was a costly exercise. But the, the thought that we had at the time was pretty straightforward. It says, you know, if we're going to be a marketplace that people trust, then we have to be trustworthy. And, you know, if there's going to be a market here where suppliers want to continue to supply for us and travelers want to continue to come back, even if that's not this year, even if it's next year or the year after, uh, then we have to make sure that we did right by them at the time. Mm. And so it was that focus on kind of reputation management and relationship management that really put us in very good stead because, and I don't know if you remember this, but it kind of only about a year later, mid-2021, and I know the pandemic was still kind of big news in Australia. By that point, the UK had, had kind of had enough. And the UK said, there are no pandemic era policies anymore. You want to travel, go nuts. And the Brits did. 
in that very first summer, they started to take off and go around the world. And, mm. you know, you saw, for example, the Champions League and Faro in Portugal. You saw, you know, Santorini and Malta and these destinations just pop because the Brits had been fed up with staying at home and they wanted to get out there and get some sunshine. I think everyone and, was. Yeah. yeah. And, and what we saw was we saw all of that investment that we'd made in rolling out the European destinations and getting the new channel partners ready to sell them. All of that investment had remained because the transport companies – you know, first of all, they still trusted us, but also they were hungry for work. Uh, and the travellers, because they'd got their refunds, just kind of rebooked with us. And so we had both the supply available, keen prices, the technology still worked, and the travellers returned. And and we started to see that actually J-Ride was no longer even an Australian business. Now we were a, we were a UK yes. business. And yes. Europe suddenly had become overnight our biggest market. And in that summer, we were a multiple of where we'd ever been pre-pandemic in the European market. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how we got through. And then as the volume came back, we started to be able to bring back the team. Uh, and just in terms of the way that we'd managed it, you know, there were no there were no bookings, so we didn't need customer service people. We did let a lot of them go, but I guess we did so in a in a good enough way because as we started to scale back our customer service team, we had applicants that were you know ex J riders. They wanted to come back. They wanted to get back into serving the travellers, and so that meant that they already knew our systems, our processes. You know, they loved the work, and so there they were. And we saw that kind of throughout as we've built our team back. We're at 140 headcount again now. There's a lot of people who are pre-pandemic people who just came back, and that was, again, just a fantastic thing to see. There must have been, um, you know, now that we're at the um, the end of that, obviously COVID's still out there, but um, there must have been, especially in those early days, some, some sleepless nights where you were thinking, you know, the, how are we going to survive? You know, we um we got a good team. Uh, we had a strong balance sheet, and we still do. We got a good team, very passionate, very interested in building a product for the ages here. Uh, we're early in a in a long term trajectory, and so, you know, in that long term trajectory, and as, as as much as it was, you know, the main thing everybody had to focus on still, COVID was only a couple of years long. Yeah, and this is a long term trajectory. This will be a yeah. you know a company that lasts decades, and so. You know, to frame it as a very important but very temporary thing. Yes. Uh, you know, gets you focused on the thing that really matters, and that's building the technology platform to bring, you know, n billion trips online in years to come. So tell us about uh, the strength of of the business. You mentioned there you've got 140 staff. Um, you're in over a hundred countries. What's what sort of shape is um, is the balance sheet at the moment? Uh, last uh, disclosure we put out there was end of December, uh, 4.9, so give or take $5 million cash, no debt, uh, so no financial debt at all, and that's um, enough capital for us to really continue to put the foot down. Mm. Uh, we're investing for growth. This is a long-term growth opportunity. We're finding many avenues to grow, yes. and it's simple stuff. You know, it's simple stuff. It's new travel brands who really need transfers. Uh, it's more and better transport companies with great rates and new coverage and great new destinations that are in demand. Uh, today, our platform is only in English. So it's like every other travel platform, getting multilingual and regionalizing. You know, when we, when we talk about our opportunity in Europe, that's only at the moment English speakers to mainland Europe. Why not yes. be serving a mainland European audience as well? That would be about eightfold in terms of increase in TAM. Uh, we've had an enormous uplift in Asia just now, uh, and and we kind of lose sight of this, but the reopening trade is still on. Um, in mm. in terms of you know Asian destinations reopening, the places Australians want to travel, 
in Japan yes. only reopened in October. Hong Kong, Taiwan in October, Bali and Thailand only changed some of their more extraordinary, uh, you know, uh, quarantine type policies also in that same quarter. And so, you know, right now, just into that last quarter, we were the biggest we've ever been in Asia you know, more than double, quarter over quarter, more than 10x versus PCP, our largest month for passenger trips ever in December, and, you know, still growing. In terms in terms of the, the pent-up demand when everyone was stuck at home and then they're going, right, as soon as we're locked at, what, we're, as soon as this is over, we're heading overseas. So are you, are you seeing that from a J-Ride point of view where it's like this travel is off the charts? We're a, we're a beneficiary, I would say, of revenge travel as a, yes. as a, as a category. Yes. And, and um, just, I mean, I, th- I think I probably just mentioned, uh, I just was literally doing some more revenge travel myself. I had friends in New Zealand that I haven't, <laughs> you know, through force of lockdown, had the ability to go and see for four years. And mm. we've all got three-year-olds now. Last time we saw each other, we weren't even parents. And it's, you know, this, this sort of thing, just to keep it kind of light. Happens in lockdown. Yes. Yeah. Well, what you know, what to say? I mean, uh, you know, people call travel consumer discretionary, but there was no way that that trip was discretionary. That yeah. was absolutely compulsory. Our kids had to meet each other, and mm. and I think that there's still quite a lot of that going on. And as I look to you know people wanting to, you know, visit Asian destinations, is that truly discretionary? I mean, if you've got a place that you just you regularly like to go to that you haven't been for three years. Well, I mean, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty high priority for a lot of people, I think, to go and do that sort of travel right now. I just had a look at your register, Rod. You've got Fidelity, Acorn, and Thorny. They're three huge names on your register. How did you manage that? I mean, that that that'd be um, very enviable. Well, a lot of small cap, micro cap companies out there, they'd love those names on your register. Uh, yeah, look, we, um, you know, uh, what to say? We've, we've, we've been telling a good and making a good growth company for a long time now, and we've, we've been blessed to find along the way the support of some just really high caliber investors. Uh, you know, the ones, the ones that you've mentioned are obviously you know, substantial shareholders. Uh, most recently, uh, you know, as recently as November last year, uh, Fidelity joined the register, uh, bought nine point nine percent of JRide. Um, in general, I think. You know, for for a certain type of investor, they really understand what we're doing. Mm. You know, this is this is if you if you were in Webjet in the early days, for example, like Thorny yes. was, uh, then you know this looks like a travel technology stock that was like Webjet in the early days. Mm. Um, you know, uh, the the story of the particular portfolio manager at Fidelity. You know, he's familiar with Grab. He's familiar with C Trip. You know, this is a this is a mixture of Grab and C Trip. Great, got it. You know, pe- some people who have done those sorts of travel growth or, or, or ride sharing growth stories before, you know, they can really understand where JRide's going. This is an enormous market, a global market. We control next to 0% market share. So, so long as we get our product market fit in a way that's compelling and sticky for a traveler to keep coming back, uh, the growth potential is just, you know, astronomical. And, and that's the, the bet that these investors together with us that we're all making, uh, that we can make a platform here that becomes for travelers just a a household name. Well, then um, you've opened the door there. What does the future look like for J-Ride, Rod? Paint us a picture of the next couple of years. What What's in your crystal ball? J-Ride's, as I've said, at an early stage in a long-term trajectory just because the market is billions of trips and we're at some hundreds of thousands. Uh, so we see J-Ride's growth as we go around the world kind of going through two phases. You know, one is we're progressing to a million trips, uh, and two, as we're progressing towards 10 million trips with our ultimate vision 
uh, being to provide for travelers door-to-door rides to suit their needs from anywhere to anywhere, even at last minute in any country at all, in their language and in their currency. So it doesn't matter who you are, if you're traveling and wherever you are on earth, you can get to the next place with JRide. That's a, that's a hefty vision. Uh, and we think that goes from here at, at hundreds of thousands of trips. We think that goes from here to a million plus to 10 million plus. It, it sounds ast- astronomical for me to be talking, you know, a, a 2x and then a 10x. But, you know, that's just the way transport works. There's huge amounts of volume in transport. Uh, you know, a large tourist bus company in the US, just our bus company might do 10 million trips a year. Mm-hmm. And so for us as a global marketplace to do a commensurate kind of volume, it, it actually isn't extraordinary. It's just a matter of continuing to grow until we get there. Um, so that near-term milestone, uh, a million trips, a million trips, we should be able to make 10 bucks net revenue. That's our commission on each of those trips. Uh, we should be able to do that at a contribution margin of 50%. So that's a, a profit margin after all of our direct and variable costs. And that should be a cash flow positive company that's still a growth company, still investing mm. for growth every every year, but but doing so in an entirely self-funded way. And we'd call that kind of growth horizon one. And then, you know, conceptually at 10 million trips, and that's 100 million revenue, 50 million contribution, maybe you're running a, a 40% EBITDA margin there. So you're, you're 40 million EBITDA. That could be quite a substantial global organization if we if we just manage to keep growing. Uh, and so that's how we kind of see the future. That's a, you know, a few years journey in terms of high numbers. But in terms of what the product needs to do, it needs to be the most compelling, most stickiest uh, you know, ride service offering or, or, or comparison uh, of rides offering uh, for travelers. You know, wherever you are on earth, your wheels touch down, your plane, you turn on your phone and, you know, can we be push notifying you there and then saying, hey, we just noticed you've you've touched mm-hmm. down in Santorini and, you know, would you like a driver waiting for you at the carousel? Like we can nail that UX, we believe, with time. Yes. Yes, uh, and how how compelling to just then just saunter past the taxi rack, and and find your private driver with your name on a sign, uh, and, and just have just an unparalleled experience that no one else can really offer you. I think we can get there. Well, we wish you well, Rod. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Rod Bishop, managing director of J Ride. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and all the very best for the future. Justin, thanks for the opportunity. Great to be here. Uh, appreciate the call. Have a great day.